the Sideways, Book One, Awake, written and narrated by Andy Havens. If you're enjoying the podcast or you've enjoyed the written book, we'd always appreciate a share on your favorite social network. That's www.the-side-ways.com. Thanks for listening. Half a world away, Wallace and Kaolin waited somewhat less than patiently outside the office of Niles Phaeton. They'd called first, and his secretary had said that, yes, Mr. Phaeton could spare a few minutes for them today. At the end of the day. Come around five. Thank you. It was about half past five, and they weren't even sure if Niles was in his office. If so, he'd been in there for more than half an hour without making any noise or showing any signs. Kaolin was about to get up and ask the secretary, again, for an update, when the door to the office opened. The man who came through was, Wallace thought, the most indescribably bland person he'd ever seen. His hair could have been described as light brown or dark blonde, or maybe a kind of gray with a touch of color, in a short, standard, businessman's cut. His skin wasn't pale enough to be called pale, but he also didn't have any real tan or coloring. His eyes might have been green or hazel or brown. Just eyes. Not interesting or penetrating or unusual. He wasn't particularly tall or short, probably a bit under six feet, Wallace estimated, rising alongside Kalen to greet the man. Phaeton was dressed in a dark gray sports coat and white Oxford shirt, no tie, and light brown chinos. He looks like a mid-level marketing guy, Wallace thought, or a lawyer who's working on the weekend. Wallace, trained to look for and recognize details, realized that he'd have a hard time describing or remembering this person. He looked entirely like a mundane, no obvious reckoner-specific traits, though, to be fair, release didn't often encumber themselves with a lot of jewelry, costumes, or flair. Neither handsome nor ugly, fat or thin, supremely average, Wallace thought, as the man held out his hand for a thoroughly average shake. Unusually average, he continued to himself, smiling on the inside. You must be Wallace Bradstreet, Phaeton said, from sight, and Mr. Kalin, of Earth, of course. My secretary said you were looking for information about some works of Medicaid. I'm sorry I couldn't see you earlier. I was on an international call that went long. Please come in. He gestured for the other two to enter his office and close the door behind them. The office was as bland as the man. A desk, a chair, a small conference table with four side chairs, a bookcase with books and a few corporate knick-knacks, a painting of a ship, gray drapes on either side of a modest office window with a view of the building next door. Please have a seat, Phaeton said, gesturing at the table. He sat in one of the side chairs and waited for his guests to join him. Now, he said, resting his elbows on the table and leaning forward in a friendly way, how can I help you? Wallace looked at Kaolin, who looked back at Wallace and shrugged. Wallace looked at Phaeton, then back at Kaolin, then back at Phaeton, who was waiting, patient and friendly, He seemed uncommonly good at sitting still and waiting. Wallace decided to go into reference interview mode. It was one he was more comfortable with in front of strangers. 
We're, we're, we're wondering if you could uh, provide us with any information about a young woman named Kendra White, Wallace explained, trying to sound both authoritative and firm. She has been missing for some time, and her mundane doctor's records indicate that she was referred by you. As we've run out of other leads, we thought you might know something useful. Phaeton nodded as Wallace spoke, appropriately serious but still friendly. Yes, he said after Wallace finished, I know Ms. White, and I knew her father, and I know her mother. A, a very sad story, of course. Wallace and Kaolin exchanged another confused look. Sad story, Wallace asked. Phaeton leaned back in the chair a bit, frowning slightly. I assumed that Dr. Leone would have told you, since you got my name from Dr. Leone's records, as you said. Well, that was pretty lame of us, thought Wallace. Wallace is from sight, Kalen interjected. He's good. Didn't need to know the doctor to know the no. Phaeton scowled a bit more, now looking concerned as well as interested. But still, thought Wallace, remarkably unremarkable. I see, Phaeton finally said. I do not know where Kendra currently is. I'll confess I'm not sure I'm comfortable telling you much more than that. If you don't personally know Dr. Leone or Kendra, then... Oh, we know Kendra, Wallace interrupted. We're friends of hers. Who don't know where she is? asked Phaeton, eyebrows up. Nobody knows where she is, said Kaelin, leaning forward. That's the thing, and some folks think she may be hurt or in danger, and we'd like to help is all. Phaeton nodded again still serious and seemingly unconvinced. I don't know where she is, he repeated plainly. I haven't actually ever met her, to be honest. You said you knew her, said Wallace. Ah, yes, well, I know who she is, and I did know her father, and I still know her mother quite well, actually. She worked for me at one point. She's from release? asked Kaelin. Yes, Phaeton frowned again. Well, she was, as I said, a very sad story. His two guests sat looking ignorant and uncomfortable. Sighing, Phaeton finally said, I will tell you some of what I know, what I'm comfortable you could find out yourself, young librarian, had you probed the right records or made the right inquiries. Thank you, Mr. Phaeton, Wallace said, triggering a minor way that would essentially record the entire rest of the interview across to all senses, catching details for others to review that he in the moment might miss. Phaeton stood. Can I get either of you a drink? Bottled water? Coffee? They both shook their heads and waited a moment while Phaeton ducked behind his desk to open a small fridge and extract a bottle of chilled mineral water. He returned to the table, took a swig, and replaced the cap. Elanya, Lane that is, Geary, was a very lively, very attractive, very creative young woman. She worked for me, as I said, as a security consultant, an assistant from time to time. She was good at crafting subtle locking ways, layers of locks that would let some people in, keep some out. She was so good that we eventually got many requests for her work, especially from increase. Wallace nodded. I would imagine that they require plenty of locks. Phaeton made a weighing gesture with his hands. More, some, than others. Your master, Mr. Monday, has also been a customer of ours quite often. I did not know that, thought Wallace. I don't know that I've ever sensed a way of release in the library. Hmm. That's something to check out later, maybe. Playing with the water bottle, Phaeton continued. 
Most of our domain is more interested in the escaping of locks and bonds, of course, but it renders some of us uniquely qualified to create them. And those that do, such as Lane, often become popular, both for their houses and for personal reasons. Wallace looked confused. People want to take somebody out without a killing. Locks is a good thing to have, Kaelin explained. Ah, sorry, I'm less familiar with your house than others, Wallace apologized. Phaeton waved the apology away. No worries. Anyway, at one point Lane was doing a job for increase and happened to work with a reckoner named Morgan White. An attraction formed, and the two of them were seen together, quite frequently. That's unusual, muttered Wallace. Indeed, agreed Phaeton, as was commented on at the time. After years of friendship, Morgan convinced Lane to first marry him, which she did, and then convert to increase. Kaelin chuckled, and Wallace looked horrified. That's... Almost unheard of, the librarian said. More heard of than you might think, said Kaelin, except for naturals and constructs of earth, of course, like me, young domains. Fickle. He shook his head, dreadlock swinging back and forth. Your Greenman friend is correct, Mr. Bradstreet, Phaeton said. It happens often enough that there are even practitioners among release who can assist in the transition. And it happens between flux, increase, and release more than the other houses. That makes sense, said Wallace. Fluxed birth those houses. And release would be handy in a situation like that. It is successful about half the time, Phaeton continued, tilting his hand back and forth. It requires commitment. It often takes considerable time. The Reckoner almost always has less power in his or her new domain. Sometimes there are other side effects. And in Lane's case, she lost her reckoning, Fulton Kaolin. "'You knew that?' asked Phaeton. "'But you didn't know the rest of the story.' "'I guessed,' said Kaelin. "'I've met Lane. She is... different.' "'That she is,' agreed Phaeton. "'There are very few cases of walkers so thoroughly separated from the ways.' "'That's just... awful,' muttered Wallace. "'Indeed, the uh, transition.' was so deeply traumatic for Lane that she essentially developed a kind of permanent amnesia about her former life. At the time, she was also carrying Kendra, which neither she nor Morgan were aware of during her uh, injury. When he found out, he demanded of release that the child be taken from Lane and raised by increase. Demanded, asked Kaelin, of release. I uh, assume that didn't go over well. Phaeton shook his head. No, it did not. Lady Percy does not take lightly to demands of any kind. And she was already quite angry at Morgan over the attempt to convert Lane. We were all deeply troubled and confused by her decision. While we in release were not happy to lose a promising young reckoner, she had made her choice and we honored it. But after she became essentially a mundane and we knew she was with child... Right, said Caelan softly. That's another story. Yes, agreed Phaeton. A potential new member of our house? But Morgan didn't see it that way. When he found out about the baby, he became... highly agitated. Wouldn't take no for an answer. Lady Percy finally went to Ezra and had him uh, discourage further attention in the girl. Discourage, said Wallace quietly. I didn't inquire too closely, Phaeton answered, but as far as I know, Morgan White has not been seen since that time. Wallace swallowed hard, but Kaelin nodded understanding. The ways must be preserved.
That is correct, my good Greenman, replied Phaeton. The three sat in silence for a moment, then Phaeton continued, The rest of the story is, if you'll pardon the pun, somewhat mundane. Lane raised Kendra as her own mundane child. At a young age it became clear that the affliction of her mother had caused the girl some severe psychological trauma. We in release kept an eye on her, and when Lane expressed to her pediatrician the need for Kendra to see a counselor of some kind, I provided the recommendation of Dr. Leone. While mundane herself, she is an associate of Earth and highly regarded in matters that cross over jurisdictions. Kaelin nodded. A tag. Phaeton made a sour face. An associate, please. I run several international non-profit companies and a dozen art galleries. I am not a gangster, Mr. Kaolin. Trying to get back on track, Wallace asked, So Kendra started seeing Dr. Leone, and you continued to keep tabs on her? Oh, no, Phaeton replied, taking another sip of his water. Between release and increase, the decision had been made that she should be essentially hands-off as far as the houses are concerned. The conclusion of our combined leaders was that the child would probably go mad before adulthood. Her interaction with Dr. Leone, we hoped, would simply make her more comfortable in the interim. As I said, I never met the girl and haven't seen Lane since before she gave birth. Answers only father more questions. Wallace quoted the sight parable to himself silently. They were quiet for a moment, then Phaeton leaned further forward. Perhaps if you were to tell me what the circumstances of her disappearance were, I might have some perspective. Wallace looked at Kaelin, who shrugged. Wallace gestured for Kaelin to begin, and the Greenman tipped his chair back and said, I found her in one of Rain Vernon's gardens, the topiary that houses a number of bound ethereals. Kendra missed the first few seconds of the fight because when C.B. clapped his hands to begin the match, there was a blinding flash of light that everyone else knew about and turned away from. By the time her vision had cleared, she saw that the two Reckoners, Var and Sensu, had already begun to grapple like wrestlers. Ken Var was a big, hulking dude, wearing only a black t-shirt and jeans. Shaved head, no mustache or beard, arms like legs, legs like trees. He looked to Kendra like a biker or a bouncer. His opponent, Dai Li Sensu, was almost comically unlike him, lithe, dark-skinned, with long hair tied back in a queue. He wore a robe that seemed to change color, size, pattern, and style as he moved, which at the moment wasn't much, as Var had him in some kind of complex arm-wrist finger lock that kept Sensu pinned to the floor. The big bald man applied more pressure, and Sensu grunted the first noise either of them had made. The crowd seemed to grunt or growl in appreciation, and Kendra turned up her new reckoner senses now that the spot swimming in her eyes had calmed down. She saw streams of power from Var which seemed to wrap his opponent in straight lines, right angles, and regular patterns. This was one strength of release, she knew, the ability to create locks, to fence things in, because to get out of traps, you had to be able to build them. Vanya had explained it to her, though it still seemed contradictory to Kendra. The lines and boxes looked like those patterns at the top of walls on some old Greek building, she thought, right-angle loops and swirls. They started out thick near Var's hands, but seemed to get thinner and finer as they snaked across Sensu's back. 
But what is Sensu doing? What is his way? I can't... Then she saw it. Into the complex yet rigid tangle of energy, Sensu was applying small, almost imperceptible taps of some other kind of influence. She couldn't quite fathom it. Far's way makes total sense, she thought. I can see him trying to box Sensu in. Forms and rigid requirements that, like an arm lock, keep him from doing what he wants. Then it became obvious to her. Rather than fight the entire way, Sensu was attempting to alter key junctures in the pattern, like weakening individual stones in a wall. And she saw the pattern to his changes, too, saw what was going to happen when enough energy got stored up in Var's way. Yeah, she thought, like a wall, weaken the stones at the bottom, and then when someone builds the wall up too high, crash, crumble, fall. Sensu was flux, the domain of change, house of the pendulum, Vanya called it, Kendra remembered for every action an equal and opposite reaction. Around her she heard people betting. She couldn't make hide nor hair out of the things being wagered, but that they were gambling was entirely clear. Four trundles on Var, shouted a man from behind her. I'll take that, said the purple-black woman next to them, and two more at the mark. Done, shouted the man behind her. Var bore down harder, and Kendra couldn't believe that everyone couldn't see through Sensu's subtle ruse. He knew that the big man was going to add power, and he wasn't even really weakening anything. Brilliant! He's just keeping the intersections at their original strength. That's amazing! So subtle! If anything, it looks like Var's lines get stronger faster because the way is flowing around those connecting spots. To Var, it must feel like he's winning even more, but the strength is flowing around the most important points. Turning to Vanya, she whispered, do you ever gamble? Parrot Girl looked deeply offended. When do I not? Right, Kendra acknowledged. Whatever. Anyway, bet on Sensu. If you want to make some... whatever. Bet big. Vanya looked at her scowling for two heartbeats, and then said, in a voice much stronger than made sense coming from such a little girl, Five rolls on other fingers! Two people jumped and signaled or shouted to take advantage of that. Vanya gestured at one of them and turned to look at Kendra. Are you sure? Her raised eyebrows seemed to say. Kendra simply nodded once. One roll on other fingers, all takers, Vanya called out. Bedlam. Probably twenty, maybe thirty people all called out at once, offering competing wagers. Vanya just kept nodding, and Kendra saw that CB was hard-pressed to notice them all, while still keeping an eye on the fight. As the betting noise waned slightly, Sensu grunted again as Var poured more energy into his way, tightening the structures around the thinner man. Sensu fell to one knee and cried out. Var fell with him, still holding tightly to his hand and arm, now wrapping his other elbow around Sensu's neck. The symbols and lines twined around the other's dark hair, flowing to the ground. "'Will you yield?' grunted Var. Barely able to move, Sensu shook his head a tiny bit, and Var pressed down harder, tightening both his physical grip and the lines of force now covering them both. Parrot Girl cut Kendra a glance. Kendra just smiled. Taking a deep breath, Var leaned forward, and Kendra could almost feel the power flowing off his way. In fact, she could feel it. 
The runes made her sit up straighter. She could feel her legs uncrossing of their own will, and she saw that others were doing the same in the rows nearest the fight. And then Sensu closed his eyes and whispered the word, Drowning! Var shook as if he'd been hit by a taser. His head snapped back, and the armor on Sensu's neck went slack, dropping to his side. He retained his hold on the other's wrist, but fell back a step, the runes of his way shrinking and fading in intensity. With a single loud, Kia! Sensu rolled forward, taking Var's wrist in both hands. The larger man was pulled forward, and his way completely broke, scattering shards of light and symbols into the air as it disappeared. Rolling Var onto his back, Sensu landed astride the big man's chest and removed his wrist from the other's grip. Then he placed both hands on Var's chest and asked, Will you yield, old friend? The fight went out of Var, and all the tension left his frame. I yield, he whispered. For a pause of several heartbeats, the club was silent as the two competitors maintained a quiet, immobile tableau. Then those who had bet on Sensu, not as many, Kendra suspected, as had bet on Var, began to cheer. The slim, dark-skinned man stood and offered the big brawler his hand. Var stood, taking it, head down, seemingly ashamed of something. Sensu gripped him in a short hug, and then walked away toward the kitchen. "'The match is to other fingers,' shouted CB. "'Payment due on demand. All is recorded. All is balanced. All will be made whole, or answer to me.' Var collapsed on the floor in a heap, and a few others, friends, Kendra supposed, picked him up and carried him to a far table. I don't understand, she said to Vanya. Parrot Girl was looking at Kendra like she'd grown a third eye. You don't understand, and yet you called the match at a point when Var looked like the sure winner. Oh, I understand what was going on with the ways, Kendra said, but not the bit about old friend and, and the hug and all that. Vanya looked at her sideways, frowning a bit. It was a grudge match. There was something personal between them. Now it's settled. The details aren't important. I mean, you could ask either of them if you wanted, but it would be seen as being a bit rude. Kendra nodded. Okay. A nice-looking young man in a white jumpsuit, with eyes made seemingly of liquid metal, approached the table. I've come to settle, he said to Vanya. Pay the brothers when they call, Vanya said. This made the nice young man swallow nervously. I'd, uh, I'd rather settle with you now, he said. I'm sure you would, Vanya said, turning her head and grinning at Kendra. But the terms don't work like that, do they? He thought for a moment, then said, Double now? Vanya shook her head. Triple? Vanya seemed to think about it, clearly enjoying making the man uncomfortable. Okay, she said finally. Triple, now, in way marks. He nodded. Of course. Seemingly both relieved and a bit chuffed. He took a small pad of paper out of his jumpsuit pocket and wrote a series of numbers on it, finally tearing the sheet off and handing it to Vanya. She glanced at it, nodded, and put it in her pocket. "'Nice doing business with you,' she called after the man as he went away. Kendra scowled. "'What was all that about?' "'I'll tell you later. But now, you tell me how you knew Sensu was going to win.' Putting her thoughts in order, Kendra explained. "'I think Sensu set a trap from the beginning.' something that channeled Var's final push of energy into changing the way he'd set up. Vanya nodded. Makes sense, but how did you see it? 
Kendra thought for a moment, then another moment. Vanya waited patiently, sipping her iced tea. Finally, Kendra said, I'm not sure. Slapping the table, Vanya gestured at another one of the patrons who'd bettered against her. Fair enough, friend. We in chaos don't need to understand everything. What would be the fun in that? Now, let's get paid. And she disappeared up through the ceiling of the restaurant with a little girl who looked like Alice. Alice. Wallace remembered that not all Reckoners were as familiar with mundane literature as himself. A character from, uh, never mind, a, a small blonde girl with wings, Kaelin added, Wallace nodding in agreement. Niles Phaeton, seeming a little distracted, leaned forward on the table. This happened when she was taken away, right after the Blood Warriors were about to do something or other to or with her. Right, Wallace agreed. Phaeton shook his head. It makes no sense to me, he said. She was wakened or affected somehow, Greenman, by the garden of your master, this Rain Vernon. Kalen nodded. Whatever happened to wake her to the ways, it was in the garden, yes. And then she was further altered by her experience in the library. Wallace nodded. Yes, Mr. Monday's way had two outcomes. Either her mind would break and she'd die, or she'd enter fully into the ways as an unaffiliated reckoner. Phaeton took a sip of his water and scowled. I'm surprised he has that authority. Making a don't-misunderstand-me-please gesture, waving his hands around a bit, Wallace said, Oh, no, 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 it has nothing to do with authority. It's simply a way that leads to one of two conclusions, determined entirely by the perception of the walker. He didn't make her into a reckoner. He just presented her with essentially two paths. She had to fight and find the one or slide down the other. Poetic, Phaeton muttered. Wallace blushed a little, and Kaolin snorted a laugh. "'Something is funny?' Phaeton asked. "'You other domains,' the Greenman said, wanting the how and the why. Both Phaeton and Wallace looked at Kaolin for an explanation, but that was apparently all the Greenman was prepared to say on the subject. "'Anyway,' Phaeton said, coming to some kind of conclusion and standing up, "'I still fail to see any reasonable connection between all these odd events. "'The girl awoke to the ways.' Somehow she offended blood, or they wanted her for their house, either as a member or for one of their rituals. Someone else sent another girl to rescue her. A girl with green wings, Kaelin reminded them again, not too subtly chuffed at being ignored. What? Green wings? Yes, yes. That made Phaeton stop and think. Wings. I missed that from earlier. Do you have an image of her handy? he asked. Wallace made a small pass with his hand, calling up a minor way of sight, and a full-color, three-dimensional image of the winged blonde girl appeared on Phaeton's table. Niles shook his head and pointed at the figure. Yes, another house involved. I recognize her. She belongs to the brothers. Name is Vanya Tacitus. First circle, if I remember correctly, within chaos. Wallace perked right up. I looked through the archives, he said, but I couldn't find anyone who matches her looks. Not unusual with chaos, is that? Phaeton asked. Wallace shook his head, agreeing, they don't like to have their pictures taken, and they change appearance so often, too. Could that help, knowing her house? Phaeton asked. Wallace nodded. It just might. Even chaos has habits, favorite places, hidey holes. I could ask some questions, consult some sources, 
After a pause, he asked, How did you recognize her? I saw her once at a meeting with the Red Brothers. Wallace and Kaelin both leaned forward, eyes wide. The Greenman spoke about a second before Wallace. You've met the Brothers? Phaeton chuckled, moving towards the door in a not-too-subtle cue that the meeting was over. I have met with reckoners of chaos who spoke as them. More than that, I shouldn't say. Wallace and Kaolin rose, understanding that their time was up. At the door, the Greenman turned and said, Thank you for your help, and for your time. At which Wallace seemed to remember his manners, mumbling, Uh, yes, uh, thank you. Phaeton waved away their thanks. I'm sorry I couldn't be of more help. Lane was a dear colleague, and her troubles are still of interest to release. If something has happened to her daughter, that would be more sadness in her life. If I think of anything else, I'll contact you through the library. At that, Wallace turned, a little too startled and scared-looking. Damn it, he thought. Did it again. Phaeton grinned and said, Or you could leave your direct number with my secretary. I'll do that. Thanks, said Wallace to Phaeton. But the other man had already turned and closed his office door, silently, behind him. As Wallace wrote his number on a post-it note, Kaelin muttered, Idiot. It wasn't until much later that Wallace realized he'd never brought up the subject of the strange blood art cards. <laughs>